Good morning, family. Wow, what a beautiful looking family you are this morning. <laughs> Those smiles. And uh, just, you know, so uh, such a blessing to be together this morning, just to um, see if we can dig some gold out of the Word of God that'll encourage our hearts and um, fuel us in these early weeks of 2024. Um, first up this morning, I just want to um, acknowledge, you know, the story we just heard. And, you know, when someone shares their um, very uh, personal journey um, and the things that they've been through, it, it can be quite an emotional experience both for them and for us listening. But isn't it a joy to hear what God can do? How he takes every life, any life, whatever the problem, whatever the challenge, and he's there and he wants to bring those heavenly solutions for all of us into all the challenges of life. Well, what I wanted to do this morning was just, if we could just have up um, Ephesians 1, um, 17 and 18 up on the data projector there. And uh, I want us just all together just to read this. All right, let's starting. I know you've got great reading eyes and great voices. So all together, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And verse 18, that though of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This is a beautiful New Testament reference to what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. He wants to open our eyes to see the unseen, to see what is not naturally perceivable, but is a reality in the spiritual realm, in the realm of God, in the realm of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to open our eyes to see that, to be able to, because what we see, we are able to draw hope, life, and encouragement from. And I want to share with you this morning, I want to ask you a question in 2024, what can you see? Because what you can see is going to determine how 2024 unrolls for you. And so um, I want to just go back now into the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. I'm not going to be able to read the story in Genesis 12 of Abraham just for time's sake. But I want to um, just briefly um, give you a bit of an overview quickly of the story there in Genesis 12 where, where Abraham receives a call from God to leave his land where he had grown up, to leave his family, his home, his relatives, and go to a land that he didn't know where he was going. And in obedience to God, Abraham takes his home, his family, um, and his livestock, and his nephew Lot decided that Abraham must be onto a good thing, and he decided to go with Abraham. And so away they go, and they journeyed into the land of Canaan, uh, not knowing where he was going. And uh, the Lord appears to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. And uh, this is the land that I'm going to. I've called you out of 
um, the land you were in out of Mesopotamia, and now I'm bringing you into Canaan, into a new place. Not long after that, there's a famine in the land. So Abraham has the, the promise of God that this is his land, but then comes a famine. So Abraham went down to Egypt. Now, God didn't tell him to go down to Egypt. Abraham decided, well, there's a famine. Um, that's the logical thing to do. But he didn't ask the Lord. And he, he toodles off down to Egypt. And on the way, he says to Sarah, Sarah, you're the most, Sarai, you're the most beautiful woman. Um, when we get to Egypt, the men of that place are going to, you know, be attracted to you. So you tell them that you're my sister. What a bold, courageous guy. Who wants a husband like that? His wife that he's blessed with, she's my sister to protect his own butt, for goodness sake. Sure enough, the princes of Egypt sees Sarai. She must have been a stunning-looking lady. And they tell Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, bring her here. And he thinks, ah, I will take this woman. She's not married, and she will be joined and be one of my ladies. Well, God blessed his house with plagues and all sorts of stuff because he had taken a married woman, but he didn't know. And so God rebukes Abraham through Pharaoh, and in the ensuing events, he's politely asked to leave. He gets deported out of Egypt, and um, he heads back to where he should have been in Canaan, where God wanted him. And he returned to the place where his tent had been in the beginning, where he had been before the famine, into the place where he built. You know, whenever difficulties come, we, you know, when we receive words from God, there will come challenges. And uh, what we do in those times of challenge can determine how quickly we get into the promise God's given us. But Abraham didn't ask the Lord what to do in the famine, because I think God would have said, do this and do that. And he would have provided for him, as he did later on for Isaac in famine. Isaac sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold. And so changed circumstances in our life don't mean that we give up the promise that God's given us. Um, as Aria beautifully shared with us, she had the promise of the Lord, but she thought, well, I better go and get <laughs> fertility as well. But she got there and discovered, no, no, God's already done it. You know, God wants to do it. He wants to meet our need. He wants to. And he wants us to hold on to our promises when things get difficult. Now, first of all, after the famine, a new challenge arises because Lot, his nephew, has lots of livestock, and so does Abraham. And then there's contention between Abraham's shepherds and Lot's shepherds over the grazing. And so Abraham makes a godly response. He makes a very generous response to his nephew, who was not called but went with him, and he invites him to choose where he will settle and graze. I thought that was very big-hearted of Abraham. Lot chooses the plain of the Jordan, flat, fertile, beautiful land. Abraham is left with the hill country and the less productive land. But God speaks again to Abraham, and he says this. And if we could just put this up on the screen um, from... Uh, Genesis uh, 13, verse 14. 
And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward. Abraham was in the hill country. If he'd been on the plain, he wouldn't have seen too far. But he was on the poorer land. But God says to him now, he says, Abraham, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. He's in the not-so-fertile area, north, south, east, west. All the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. I want to share with you from this passage some, what I believe is some wonderful keys to living a Holy Spirit-led life. And I think we all desire that. Um, and, and in all of the challenges of life, I believe there's a response we can make which will enable us to connect to the, the will of God and the promises of God for every challenge that we may encounter along life's journey. I believe the first thing here that God says to Abraham is lift your eyes now. And I want to just invite you today, whatever the circumstances you are facing in your life, whether it's broken relationships, um, work challenges, economic hardship, um, health issues, whatever you are facing today, I believe God's invitation to us is in the midst of that, stop and lift our vision, lift our eyes toward the Lord. Begin to seek Him about that issue. Begin to say, God, what is your solution? What is your perspective? What, is, what do you see that I don't see? Because God says that He wants to light, enlighten our eyes of our understanding. And it's not our natural eyes, but that's the eyes of the heart. And it's the eyes of the heart that must see the promise of God. The eyes of our heart are the place where we receive the revelation of the Holy Spirit and it's what we see that enables us to live above and beyond the problem. If we only see with natural eyes into our world and into our situations, they will overwhelm us. But if we can lift our eyes and begin to see what God sees and we begin to see into the Spirit, we begin to see the heavenly, we begin to draw from a source of hope and encouragement that is supernatural. It's beyond what your mind can understand. You can begin to receive hope and, and begin to see that God has a solution. There's government wars, all kinds of things, as Paul alluded to around our region, they're out there and they'll overwhelm us. But God invites us, the supernatural community, to lift our eyes because there's solutions, there's, there's breakthrough, there's uh, situations that seem impossible can change. And they change through, in, in our, through us as we see beyond what is natural and we begin to perceive what God is doing 
in another realm. He has solutions, and he invites us to a different outcome if we will but seek him and lift our eyes. Um, discouragement comes to us all. And uh, through discouragement, the thing that sustains is we've seen the vision of something beyond what presents to us in daily life. You know, hope and faith arise when we see what God wants to do. In Numbers 13 and 14, remember the story of the 12 spies. Ten saw giants and two saw grasshoppers. What made the difference? Caleb and Joshua spent time in the presence of God and they received the vision and the empowerment within them to see not giants, but grasshoppers. A big God who was able to bring them into the land. And we know the sad story that the 10 spies who saw natural discouraged the people and they spent another 40 years in the wilderness. What made the difference? Simply Joshua and Caleb were men who pursued the presence of God and, and they saw beyond the natural. They saw beyond what was presenting. They saw a heavenly, uh, a God in heaven who would deliver them and bring them into the land. Second Kings 6, you know that story there, the city surrounded. Um, Elisha has a young servant, and, Eli and he, he says to Elisha, Elisha, we are surrounded. The Syrians have surrounded the city. And Elisha must have had a quiet little chuckle to himself and a smile. And he says, Lord, open the young man's eyes. And God opens his servant's eyes. And he says, the horses and the chariots of Israel Full, the land is full of the horses and chariots of Israel. So what was happening in the natural was one thing, but there was something happening in the spiritual, in the supernatural realm, that once seen enabled a confidence to bring victory. And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants us to be able to lift our eyes and see what He is doing. There's so much happening, I know. We, we have it on every side. We look at our own situations at times and we can be so discouraged and think, look, there's Nehemiah called by God to return to this broken down city of Jerusalem. The walls are broken. The houses are broken. The city is burned with fire. It's a heap of rubble. But he prays and he seeks God and, he's, and, he, and the Lord gives them the vision of the rebuilt walls, the rebuilt city. And he returns to Jerusalem from Babylon, sent by the king. The people see a burned heap of stones. Nehemiah says, wall, he sees walls and houses and people dwelling in them. What makes the difference? The heavenly vision, the capacity to see beyond what is naturally available to our eyes. We'll only have God's outcomes in the situations of life if we can see what He sees. How important it is that we lift our eyes in every situation. I've been really enjoying in recent months the book of Zechariah, chapter um, one, uh, sorry, chapter four, 
And the angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah and he says, wake up. <laughs> Isn't that a good, a good word, eh? Wake up. And sometimes there's times in our life where we get into a slumber, you know, and the events of life are just tumbling upon us and we feel overwhelmed and we don't know what to do and we're just kind of surviving. Well, the angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah and says, wake up. And then he says to him, what do you see? So Zechariah shakes himself, opens his eyes, begins to look and seek the Lord. And God shows him a lampstand. And he says to the, and quite a detailed picture. And then he says to the angel, what are these? And we often need the Holy Spirit to interpret the things that we see. Because we can often put a spin on things that God is not putting on. But we need to hear from him. We need to see, and then we need the Holy Spirit to interpret it so we know how to live it out. There was a, a great um, illustration. My beloved Vicky had this beautiful prophetic word from a prophetic person saying, God's going to give you a Mustang. And she was like, woohoo! I always wanted a V8. <laughs> Mustang! This is a good word. I like this. And um, for months and months, she was <clears throat> everywhere we went. Vicky would see Mustangs. We've never seen them ever. She's got a Mustang. You know, she was so excited. A Mustang. God's going to give me a Mustang. And sort of a bit of time ticked by. And eventually, um, she began to understand that in prophetic language, or, or there is language of, of the Spirit. There's language that God speaks to us in pictures and in, in, in ways that, they're natural things, but they carry a spiritual dimension. So it could have been a natural ministry, that, that it was going to be like a Mustang, that God was going to empower her in ministry, and it would be like a Mustang. Oh, not quite the real thing, but that's what it was. So when we see, we need to say, what are these? We need God's help to understand, what is this? Sometimes I call it God speak. He speaks to us in pictures and in sometimes all kinds of ways, but he wants to get our attention because faith comes from hearing and hearing from a word of God. So it inspired Vicky, put fuel in her tank and um, that ministry. All right, so the second thing here is look from the place where you are. Abraham, lift up your eyes. And look from the place where you are. You know, often we can imagine that we need to do something. We need to improve ourselves. We need to get better. We need to, um, you know, renovate our life before God's going to speak to us. Not so. All you need to do is reach out to Him right where you are. In the midst of your difficulty, if you just intentionally begin to position your heart toward the Lord, begin to make the choice and say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer is but I'm looking to you. God simply says, look from the place where you are. You don't have to, you know, make a huge change in your life. It's just intentional focus to look off the natural situation, begin to go into the presence of God and say, God, what do you want to say to me in this situation? What do you want to reveal? Um, just go with worship. Go to your secret place 
with prayer and gratitude. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he wants to do in that situation. Um, God dreams and restorative visions come to ordinary people who seek God. Simple as that. Nothing special. We don't have to be anybody important or special to receive amazing God dreams. Isn't that cool? He wants to give all of us God perspective and God dreams. The third thing God says to Abraham was all the land you see God has given you. God, some years ago, God spoke this to me. Um, All the land you see God has given you. And I just put it this way. If you can see it, you got it. If you can see it, God's given it to you. This is a beautiful thing, but when God shows us a solution and he gives us a spiritual perspective on a problem, if you can see it, God's given it to you. It's yours. And so, um, and faith will arise in your heart. Once you see, faith arises. And you have confidence that God's going to do it. Um, You may be alone in your dream. Um, how many of you have experienced that? You've, got, you've seen something that no one else can see. And they're all going, oh, whatever. But you know. You have a capacity that others may not have, who have not seen what you've seen. Don't get angry with them. They've just not seen what you've seen. Because once you see, you have an incredible capacity Others may think it's impossible. You're a dreamer. But once you have seen and heard from God, an unshakable confidence will arise in your heart. And that confidence will carry you into the fulfillment of the promise. If you can see it, it's yours. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is in the heart, and it comes by seeing and hearing by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And once it's there, nothing can take it away. It's birthed inside of you. It's an imperishable seed of the Word of God. The great faith chapter in Hebrews 11 begins with that verse, but then it goes on, and it tells the story of Many, so many of those Old Testament saints, how they overcame, they faced impossible in situations. They believed for things that were in the natural, just not achievable, and saw incredible moves of God. Number four is walk on the land, it's given to you. You know, when God gives you a promise, walk on that land. Begin to take that inside yourself in such a way that you want to imprint the impression, the vision, the, the word from God so fully into your heart and mind that you will never forget it. You know, um, I've found sometimes God just gives me a little nudge of Holy Spirit nudge. And if I don't write it down or, or note it down, I can easily, sometimes that little seed is actually the seed of an incredible miracle. But it may just come as a little seed. So walking, in the land, walking on the land is allowing yourself to dream the vision of the outcome that God is promising. 
So you begin to say, God, you're saying you're going to do this miracle or you're going to do this. You're going to save my neighbors. That family that's the worst on the street. And you begin to begin to dream that. See them saved. Man, I see them coming along to excite. I see them getting baptized. I see them getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I see them getting work, and I see their lives getting turned around. We begin to dream and envision the thing that God's promised us. We're walking on the land. So I seek to receive and to align with what God is saying. I'm visualizing the future as God has revealed it, beginning to see that new job coming, that restored relationship that looks impossible. What does it look like? It's developing that internal picture of the future you've seen and living with that on the inside, letting it soak into every fiber of your being, being filled with a faith. Remember years ago when we first went into that old Moitua hotel, walls were smashed. There was place reeked. <laughs> it was just a broken place that had been such a terrible place of, of brokenness and, and lives just ruined. We walked around in there, laying hands on the walls, beginning to believe God that, God, you want to restore this place to become a place of healing. We'd seen a picture, began to have the dream that this place is meant to be a place of healing and restoration. This is not its destiny. Its destiny is to become a place of worship, a place that heals the community, a place that restores. And we would put, we wrote on the walls with felt pen scriptures and laid hands on that place and began to dream of restored areas, a beautiful auditorium, you know, a kitchen, a commercial kitchen, so we can feed people. And we begin to just dream into that, engaging with what God was showing us and, and imagining it being so. Um, walking on the land. Number five, move your tent. Abraham after he had separated, after Lot had, they'd chosen their pieces of land. And, I, and the Lord's shown Abraham again, the whole land, as far as you can see, I've given it to you. And that's really how it is for us, folks. As far as you can see, God's given it to you. Um, he moved his tent. And when you begin to align your life with God's dreams in your heart, you may need to shift your tent. You know what I found as a young Christian? I had to kind of pull away from some relationships and grow some new ones. Abraham moved his tent to Mamre. Um, the Hebrew meaning of that place name Mamre means fully assimilated, well-fed, abundantly supplied, fatness, firmness, virility, vigor, and strength. Man, Abraham will be believing that stuff over his family and over his flocks and his herds. Isn't that amazing? He's got the less land, the not-so-good land, well-fed. Whoa! Abundantly supplied, 
fatness, firmness, virility, medically. So Abraham shifts his tent to the place that is prophetically speaking to his destiny. And so we need to position ourselves in your God-expected destiny. This meant for Abraham moving away from his carnal nephew, Lot. He had to put a little bit of distance between him and nephew because Lot was heading a different direction. Um, and as I said, I had to move my tent when I became a believer. doesn't mean that we reject people or cut them off. It sometimes means that they're not the number one influences in our life. We just need to surround ourselves with people who are dreaming the same dreams and heading the same direction. It means choosing what you allow to fill your thinking. Make, choosing, I don't want to fill my thinking with that. I want to fill my thinking with the dreams God's giving me. Filtering what you hear and embracing the God vision. Finally, number six, build an altar there to the Lord. Abraham built an altar. I was going to say that one of the outstanding things you see in Abraham's life, you see him, you see him in faith, magnificent faith. You see him in his humanity and his bad choices. He went on and did it again, Sophia, and told the same story the next time. She's my sister. Can you believe it? That's our humanity. But you know why God is so gracious? If we'll go back and lift our eyes, God brings us ultimately into our destiny. And so um, Abraham, one of the outstanding features of his life was he built altars to the Lord. Where God spoke to him, he would build a place there. He would let what God had promised be written deeply within him. He would worship. He would, write, he would spend time in the presence of God, allowing the vision, the dream, the, the word that God had given him to root so deeply within that he would make it a place of worship and a place of reflection, meditating on it. Sometimes, I, you know, when I, you go in, if you've visited our home and gone into the toilet room, the walls are covered in scriptures. <laughs> the word of God is everywhere. Where Vicky just writes things down that God gives her and puts them everywhere. She got this white erasable pen and she's writing all over her kitchen windows. She looks out the window, you just see scriptures. <laughs> they're on the walls, they're on the back of a door. You open up a cupboard door and it's all got <laughs> promises written all over it. But what she's doing is she's building altars of remembrance. You know, she's building altars of remembrance. So you, wherever you go, there are the reminders of what God has said. Um, look, as you read the great stories of men of faith and women of faith in the Bible, you see how these men faced great challenges in times of opposition. When God speaks to us, you can guarantee there'll come challenges to the word. The one thing the enemy is after, the one thing the devil goes after is that you from a revealed word in your heart. It's the one thing, if he can divert you from it, if he can pull you back down to your eyes onto what you can see, feel, and touch, he will rob you of the God destiny. He will take from you what God intends. He wants one thing. Whatever God said, he wants to say, has God said. And so... You need to protect your seed, protect your promise, protect your word, build an altar. Make it something that becomes so part of you that it's erasable. It's so part of you. Over the years, people constantly say to me, 
how did you survive and stay in the community, the Murriwa community for so many years? And all I can say, it was not, it's not me. It was not some great enabling that Howie's just like, he's amazing. No, I'm not. I just have a promise from God. I've just seen God's destiny for that community. I've just seen what's there in the spiritual realm over a community, and I'm living by what's unseen. If I live by what I see, I wouldn't stay there five minutes. But I live by what I saw in the Spirit, the dream that God gave. And you know what? That takes me from the ordinary to the extraordinary. That takes us from the natural to the supernatural. And you know what? If we want to see a different Aotearoa New Zealand, if we want to see a different Titai Tokoro Northland, if we want to see a different Kiri Kiri in the years ahead, we're going to have to see what is unseen. Because we are surrounded by discouraging signs and things We may have thought, ah, yes, I can do that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I'm all right. Um, yesterday, I had the joy of just taking a wedding service for a young Moirua young man, marrying a, a beautiful Christian girl. And um, in that wedding service, one of the young guys from down in Moirua got up in the reception and he just began to identify in that group there all these young men and women who had been part of the youth and the, the Christian scene. They spent a lot of time in Laurie and Glenda Anderson's house. They were like a mum and dad to the community. And they had a place to hang out. And a lot of these young men today, he just began to just point them out and say, there's M Morris. He's... Um, very high up now in the Northland Police Force, um, overseeing the, the police operation, second in command of the police operation in End, Very tense, difficult brief. There's young Morris, just a young man, but second in command. There's Owen Pihama, police detective. There's Serene, the girl that... Um, Lee's marrying. She's a police detective. There's Nat, an engineer. There's um, Rock in charge of, he was high up in Northland Sport. These are young men who were on the streets of Mariwa. Today, because of the gospel, they are holding important jobs and they are putting back into the community wonderful young people. And I said, wow, God, only you can do that. But what does our region need? Jesus, the gospel. And, and we need to be the community of men and women who are seeing beyond what is seen. That's the catalyst for transformation. It's not going to change because now we have a national coalition government. Believe me, boy, that's a minefield. 
But Jesus, but Jesus, I want to say to us all this morning, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look. Jesus said that too, didn't he? Lift up your eyes. Behold, the harvest is white. So this year of 2024, we're still early in it. And I just want to ask you the question, what can you see? If you can only see the world that your neighbor sees with all its problems and feel overwhelmed, then let's determine to go into the secret place. If you've just got facing a health need that's so overwhelming, you don't know what to do, go to the secret place. If you face an economic, you need an economic miracle, go to the secret place. Get into God's presence. You can say, God, I know you see something different. Lord, show me what you see. Show me what you see. Because when you see, faith will come and you'll begin to walk toward a different outcome. When God has spoken to me, um, and I already have promises, what about that? You know, many of us have had lots of promises, and, but then the, the difficulties of life come and we get overwhelmed. And I felt this morning, in the, actually in the middle of the night, I was just praying about today and saying, God, what do you want to do? And the Lord just gave me this beautiful passage out of Isaiah 40 to 31. I don't have it up on the big screen, but you know it. Um, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall um, run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait on, oh, oh, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall wound up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. All right, we need to lift up our eyes. <clears throat> All right. Okay. All right, just position your life to receive what God wants to show you in this season because it will change the outcome of 2024 for you, for your family, for your loved ones, for your marriage, for your health, for your finances, for everything. God is our all, and he will provide for us all. Father, we, we just want to thank you for your amazing, um, the amazing encouragement we can find in your word, the absolute gold. Lord, as we look at these great journeys and stories of men and women, throughout all the pages of Scripture, who have faced impossible situations. Lord, by the, and, but by the word of the Lord, 
they have overcome. They've endured hardship. They've, they've walked through difficult times of, of adversity and trouble and suffered great loss at times. But through it all, the promises of God have carried them into a destiny that could never have happened unless they had walked in the light of your word. So, Father, I pray today that you will shine your powerful light of revelation on every heart, every mind, and every person in this auditorium today. I pray, Lord, that every person will find encouragement today to lift up their eyes and look now from the place where they are and, and see and hear what the Lord would say, that he's given us the land to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Lord, whatever our problem is, that encompasses the whole of our problem. The north, the south, the east, the west, that's all of it. Father, plant such seeds of powerful revelation in the hearts of men and women here. Lord, that they will become the channels of incredible miracles, incredible um, avenues of supernatural change into situations. See incredible change. Father, we know that only by your spirit and by the power of your anointing can our nation, our communities change. And Father, we're looking to you today because we're daring to believe that in spite of what we see, there's a supernatural God who has supernatural solutions to every challenge of life and transformation to our region. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I just want to close by saying, if you're here this morning and uh, you don't have what Aria described to us, a personal two-way conversation with Jesus, then, and you don't have the Lord in your life and you don't know the joy of the forgiveness of your sins and you don't know what it is to have this personal walk in relationship with Jesus, then Jesus is here this morning for you. And he wants you simply to open your heart and receive him into your life. And uh, I want to invite you to do that because I know I my life has been radically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am only who I am by the goodness of Jesus. And he's here for you. He's here for every one of us. And if you are here this morning and you need a miracle, then Jesus is your man. He's here to meet you. He here, he's here to bring transformation and change.